Hey guys, welcome back to the nitty gritty of real estate. Today we're going to be talking about what contingencies are in a real estate contract. Let's get into it. We are back here with the Nitty Gritty Real Estate Podcast. We're talking about contingencies in a contract. Um, now, this this goes across the board in pretty much every state. There's going to be some sort of contingency, but we're going to be talking about, in particular, Arizona, because that's where we're licensed. Yep. Not that we can't help people connect with someone across the nation, but yep. we're, we're talking specifically here. In, in the Arizona contract. Now let's, I think we should start off what a contingency is because it does protect both buyers and sellers. Correct. So what, what, what does that mean? What does a contingency mean? So a contingency is what we call a get out of the contract or hold you to the contract. Mm. Okay. Sure. Help you perform the contract. To help you perform in the contract. Okay. So it can be both. Sure. A lot of people think it's just like a get out of jail card. It's not. Yeah. It's also a contingency that both parties need to perform okay. for the contract to be valid. Okay. okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, types of contingencies. Um, some contingencies are designed to limit litigation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Some contingencies are designed to take the buyer's position, and some contingencies are designed to take the seller's position. Okay. And in, in Arizona... Yep. I would say that we have more protections for the buyer under the, under the contract. Would that be accurate? I'm going to say that's accurate in all 50 states. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's because they're the ones who are going into something that they don't know anything about, and they have to go investigate and see if they can find any issues with the home that might cause them to not want to buy it, right? So if it needs a new AC, let, for instance, they may not be like, well, I don't want to spend $9,000 on a new AC unit or whatever it's going to cost. You know, I don't, I don't want to spend that. So they can then pull out of the contract and say, we gave it a shot, but found this thing wrong with it. And we don't want to go through with X, Y, and Z. Correct. Right. So understand how um, real estate law comes about in a state. Mm -hmm. So it's all structured by the government. By the state government, okay. okay? Okay. And a state government looks out for their constituents, okay? Sure. The consumer. Sure. And really in a real estate contract, the buyer is the consumer. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's like product protection, right? Yes. Is, is basically what's happening. And there are also other uh, constituents who vote that are sellers. Sure. So they also have to protect the seller. Sure. Arizona is kind of a buyer beware state. Yep. When you buy into uh, a property that is located in Arizona, mm -hmm. you are buying it in quote, quote, as is condition with the contingency of being able to inspect it. Okay. If you find something wrong with the property that is beyond what was observed or you knew about, yeah. you have the opportunity to withdraw from the contract. Okay. There are time contingencies for that. There are processes for that. But Arizona is a buyer, quote, quote, beware type of state because we are as is contracts. Okay. Okay. You talked about Arizona being um, more buyer friendly. I would say to you, Joe, because I've been in this business for 40 years and I've sold real estate in many different states. Yeah. All states are are really buyer friendly type of states. Okay. okay? And that, that's kind of quote, quote, buyer 
buyer friendly. It, it, it tends to lean towards the buyer because they're the ones who are fronting the money to to purchase this product. Correct. From they're the, the sheep. Usually, the seller is the wolf. Yeah. Especially in the case of new home builders. Sure. Okay. Yep. All yeah. right. No, that makes total so, sense. So, Joe, why don't we talk about um, some contingencies? What are they? Yeah. You know, um, you know, you work with buyers occasionally, although you are a marketing director and you do a fantastic job of it. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, you know that sometimes we have uh, contingencies specifically designed for the buyers, and one of them we talked about is our inspection contingency. Yeah. So the buyers have the right to inspect the property. Yep. They can have whatever inspectors they want as long as the inspectors don't do any damage or harm the property. Exactly. Now, without express consent. Without express consent. consent. Now, here's the thing: harm can be done, and it doesn't. It's not necessarily physical harm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So in some states, when you go into a house, they have basements. Arizona, we usually don't have basements here. Sure. But basements have could collect radon. Mm. Okay, mm-hmm. some older homes could have leaded paint, lead paint on the house. Right. The seller can say to you, "I do not want you to perform a radon test, and I do not want you to perform a lead-based paint test, test because uh-huh. once that is known and it is positive." my house becomes stigmatized. Sure. You have the buyer can't force that type of an inspection. You just walk away from the deal. Right. So that's how it protects the seller and protects the buyer. Okay. 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 All right. Um, so like with this, with this first period, I think um, the, the first thing that happens, right? Uh, a buyer finds a property, they submit a contract, contract gets accepted. The next thing that they have to do in order to open the escrow account, when and we're in an escrow state here, right? That they have to put down earnest money, something of value, or something of value. So that could be a boat. Even. Oh, I've done that. <laughs> yeah. So that opens up the the escrow account, and basically, what will happen? The buyer will re- get that returned if they fall into these contingencies that are spelled out within the contract. Correct. So the first one being the inspection period, and and we have a 10-day just boilerplate. It's a default. Yeah, yeah, a 10-day period, and that's that's negotiable. But it is a 10-day period. We have seen uh, recently in in 2021 market where buyers were waiving these, and, and we never say that you should do this. Right. Um, because you can find things wrong with the property, like I was saying about the AC unit. If you decide to pull out because of that AC unit, you get that boat back, you get that money back, whatever is of value. Um, there's also something called the seller property disclosures, and there are disclosures in every state to where the seller has to say things that they know materially that has happened to the property, like a leak in the roof, um, foundational issues, potentially, you know, anything that is materially wrong. And you can pull out in Arizona of the contract because a seller disclosed that uh, they had bees in the attic. Maybe you're highly allergic to bees and you can say, well, I don't, I don't want to even try, <laughs> you know, I don't even want to test it. If they, if they didn't, weren't cleaned out properly, it's going to attract more. Right. It's it's vitally important to understand that these are forms that get filled out. Right. It's just not something arbitrarily that the seller says, well, I don't have to disclose this. Yes. We as a real you estate must. agents, we hand out a form that needs to be filled out. And that's in this state and many, many other states. You can't hide 
No. The information, if you knew something materially was wrong with the home, you cannot hide it. Right. Otherwise, it's, it gets litigious from that point. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we do not want. No. We want, we want honesty through the whole thing and disclosure through yeah. the whole and process. And with love to all my attorneys, the only <laughs> people that win in a lawsuit are the attorneys. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so now getting into the, the lending aspect of it, the mortgage company, mm-hmm. um, there are some aspects within it. Uh, as far as a an appraisal contingency, yep. um, can you go into a little bit more about what an appraisal contingency is? So a appraisal contingency is pretty simple. It's a contingency that states to the seller, Mr. Seller, if I overpaid for your house and the lender who's lending me the money is not going to lend me the amount of money I need to buy your house because it does not appraise for the value that they believe it is. Yeah. I have the right to cancel the contract, declare it null and void, receive my earnest money, and move on. Mm-hmm. Or, Mr. Seller, you could adjust your price down to the appraisal price. And not have to go through the whole process. And not have to go through again. the whole process, right. Sometimes now, that's more of, uh, less of a headache than doing, yes. doing that. Now, what we have seen in this last crazy market we had is that people were waiving their appraisals too. Mm-hmm. Most of those people were seasoned enough and were probably cash buyers where they were waiving the appraisal. Yep, yep. Uh, and, and occasionally you see, if you're putting enough money down from a lender, that the lender can waive the appraisal. They feel comfortable enough th- that you're putting enough money down that uh, the gap, the quote, quote, appraisal gap um, isn't going to be an issue. With yeah. So if you're buying a 350 and you're putting 250 down, you're only borrowing 100. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. And yeah, so the the next portion in that that lending process, and we, we talked about this on a podcast number 60, is you can bump yourself out of lending. Yep by doing something dumb like buying a car while under contract. Right. And now all of a sudden you don't qualify for this loan. You bump yourself out of lending and the lender goes, you don't, you no longer qualify for this. So this is a a point of discussion. Sure. Because the, in our contracts here, the buyer states that they will not materially change their position. Right. So if they go buy the car, right. they've material changed the condition where the seller could claim damages and keep the earnest money. Yeah. Or, okay. the, or the boat. <clears throat> or the boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So lending yeah. Is, is very critical. Now, through no fault of the buyer, mm-hmm. if they lose their job. Sure. Sure. Right? Yeah. Um, worked in a restaurant industry. I was a head chef. I was making, you know, $95,000 a year because I was the best chef in Tucson, Arizona. Mm -hmm. They closed down all the restaurants because of COVID. I'm out of a job. I can't get lending. Yeah. That's not the buyer's fault. Right. In that scenario, they'd be, um, rejected for lending. Mm. They could get their earnest money back. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, a point where, it, it could be on the buyer where yep. they completely screw things up and, and lose their money, earnest money that way. And that's where a contingency protects the seller. Yeah, that's, that's definitely an ins- instance where it could protect either or. Um, the next one is a cure or performance issue. So uh, here we have something called a cure notice. Um, if I was the agent on the other end and you were representing the seller, 
uh, and I sent you a cure notice for not sending me the seller property disclosures, for instance, within the first 10 days. Um, what does that mean if I send you that? So what that means, Joe, is that you didn't perform to the contract. The contract specifically states that you're supposed to do that. So that, yeah, the seller not giving us, just in this instance, the seller property disclosures, and I send them the cure notice to them, they have three days. From the date they received the notice. Yeah, calendar, calendar day. Correct. You have three days in order to hand those seller property disclosures. Perform. To perform and, and give those to the buyer. Correct. And, or the buyer's agent. Right. And this, this can happen in any instance within the contract that isn't getting performed. Correct. Not just the example that I'm giving here. Correct. But this could be throughout the whole contract. Yes. So we call that a non-arbitrary cancellation. You can't arbitrarily cancel it. You have to give the other party the opportunity to cure the defect. Yes. Okay. And that's stipulated in our contracts as three days. Okay. And that also goes, again, for both buyers and sellers. Correct. And if a buyer goes beyond that three-day cure notice period, they could lose earnest money. Correct. If a seller goes beyond the three-day period, what happens then? The buyer can, can, doesn't necessarily do, but can declare the offer null and void because of breach of contract, get their earnest money, and move on. Okay. Okay. I've been on both sides of that scenario, buyer and seller, and I've been on both sides of the scenario where they did exercise and didn't exercise to cure notice. Gotcha. Okay? Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And now um, going back to the escrow that we were sort of talking about earlier, most escrow companies have a title service within their um, within their company. Yeah. So let's explain title. Yeah. Okay. Um, a lot of times people don't understand what that is. Sure. Okay. A title is basically a recorded history of the property. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With, with the county. Yes. The county recorder yep. records uh, a room addition, let's say. That, that gets recorded if it was done legally. Correct. Uh, it gets recorded onto the county, and then there is a written record that can be discovered uh, during during your inspection process even. Hey everyone, we want to interrupt this episode to let you know that we are a Keller Williams Southern Arizona franchise. Also, we are licensed realtors practicing equal housing. Now let's get you back to the podcast. Exactly. And in some cases you'll find an abstract. Yes. Which is a written document from like the 1800s. <laughs> I've had a couple abstracts in a different state um, where they didn't have electronic title insurance mm -hmm. back then. So they hand wrote everything down. And then later on, we came into the computer age and everything became, you know, recorded on a computer. You'd have to go to the microfiche and get well, through. Sometimes they didn't record everything that was in the abstract because they couldn't find it. Then somebody opens up a cedar chest and there's the abstract. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have had where we're a day before closing, somebody discovers an abstract and, and which is illegal and binding mm. that they cannot sell the property without first asking everybody in the family. Wow. <laughs> so that's an encumbrance on the title. Yes. That was 
very interesting. Yeah. We ended up going to court, and the judge ruled that um, the abstract had to be exercised. Wow, yep. interesting. Yep. Yeah, see, these are these are fun issues, and I, I I think a lot of agents, especially agents who have been in it a long time, have come across something like that where uh, title it, it may not have popped up right away. Um, but that also gives the buyer the opportunity once that comes up, the buyer can go, wow, I, I don't want to deal with that. Cause how long is that going to take? It's not a clear title. Right. Yeah. It has, right. it has, uh, an encumbrance on it. And, and the, the obligation of the seller is to transfer title free and clear. Clear all encumbrances. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Th there was another instance too, um, when a local hospital here, mm -hmm. the, one of the encumbrances was that they weren't allowed to build a second story until a certain amount of time had passed. So uh, the property was sold, the hospital was built. It was only built to a single story because they didn't want to block the mountain views. Here. Yeah. So after that expired, that's when the hospital could then build their second story and expand a little bit more. Interesting. So yeah, kind of an interesting thing. I'll give you one from the uh, state of Wisconsin where I used to be licensed. In Kohler, Wisconsin, uh -huh. every property in Kohler, Wisconsin, yeah. has a first right of refusal by the Kohler company. Really? In other words, the Kohler company has the right to buy any house. Is that still in effect still today? Still in effect. It, wow. is a, it is an attachment to all the deeds. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, we're not going to go into the reason why that was. Sure. Okay. Um, but... There are things like that that are out there. They call, they're called first right of refusals. A lot of times when you have family farms that have been developed, mm -hmm. but the main farm house is still there, yeah. and they may want to keep certain parcels within the family, but there's other residences on there. Yeah. If you're going to sell that, you're my son, and you're going to sell it, I want the ability to buy it back to maybe sell it to the grandson. Gotcha. The granddaughter. Gotcha. Yep. And that's something that has to be recorded again with, yep. at least today, yep. <laughs> not written and that, in, in and that's why we have titles. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting episode, guys. Um, if you have any questions on this, you know, please feel free to reach out to us. Uh, we'll have Welver Info uh, to get to us in the description below. Uh, if we gave you any good information in this, please follow us because we're going to, you know, keep giving you good information in these upcoming episodes. We have some good ones. Uh, lined up here. Um, if you have an idea on an episode or, or something that you have questions on in the, the real estate process, please feel free to reach out to us here as well. Um, our website is www.thetjkteam.com. Uh, Tom J. Krieger is what TJK stands for. Uh, until next time, Tom. Thanks, we'll, Joe. We'll see you then. Hey, thank you for listening and watching the Nitty Gritty Podcast here with the Tom J. Krieger team. If you are thinking about buying a home, selling a home, or even investing in real estate, please reach out to us. We are local here in Tucson, Arizona, but we are also connected to over 4,000 agents across the US. So again, looking to buy, sell, or invest in your hometown, reach out to us and let us connect you.